Hi, Merlin. I'm Bill Willoughby. I'm the CEO of Cypress Development Corp. Cypress Development Corp is a lithium developer working in the state of Nevada. We have a project called the Clayton Valley Lithium Project, and we're working there to extract lithium from clay and develop a domestic U.S. source for lithium for the growing EV and battery market. Bill, what a great introduction. Um, really nice to meet you. Um, now, you're an engineer and I'm a geologist. Uh, hopefully, we can uh, communicate sensibly across the, the great divide. The great um, divide of, yep. <laughs> and we, with a bit of logic and rationale, we can, we can get on. Um, <clears throat> now, the, the, the project's in Nevada. Uh, it's next. Could you just kind of show me a map of where it is, just so I can kind of get my head around the, the location of the, the project, just as a starter? Sure. Let me grab a quick screen here and show that. Okay, great. So this is our project location. We're halfway between Reno and Las Vegas in Clayton Valley. We have two other facilities that we do work out of. We have a sample prep site over by Tonopah Airport, about 30 miles to the northeast. We have a pilot plant that's in operation in Amargosa Valley, about 100 miles to the southeast towards Las Vegas. Mm -hmm. At the pilot plant, where we've been working for about a year now, putting the plant together and developing a process that's a chloralkaline leach, where we take our clay material that contains the lithium, we put it through a leach process, um, use the tailing separation through countercurrent decantation. Now we take that leachate and run it through a direct lithium extraction process, DLE. It's a, basically a process based on ion exchange rejects the cations, concentrates the lithium. And from there, we do a conventional concentration by evaporation crystallization, and we make lithium carbonate. This is our project <laughs> site on the right in Clayton Valley. It's uh, 6,500 acres. You can see it's just on the flank of this ridge line, which has a couple of large alluvial fans coming off of it. This is yeah. the clay area, which is exposed. It's a bench that extends for about 10, 15 miles long. Our uh, deposit and uh, project area is right in the center of that project here. And what we're planning to do is locate a um, quarry, a small pit in the center of the project, and then feed our mill site, which will be on the flank of this older rock, which is called Angel Island. So, so I, um, go ahead. So, hang on. So, the, 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 where the yellow box is, which says Cypress Clayton Valley Lithium Project, you've got a black. Uh, license area around that, and you're going to say you put a quarry in the middle of that. And where, well, where is yes, the, the quarry will actually extend from the bottom edge of this older rock formation up to the northeast, to the far northeast corner of the property boundary. Can you? Is, is your mouse is your mouse visible? Can you can you show me where 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 you're talking about with your mouse? Well, I think I can. Maybe it's not uh, no, visible to you. No, I'm not. I'm not seeing it. But there we go. So the older rock is to the southeast. It's the kind of the the the, the mottled. It's the as the the top of the alluvial fan. Is that what you're talking about? Correct. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um. So okay. so just just remind me where where's the quarry going to be? Uh, it would be starting right about the two L's in Valley. Yeah. And work its way up to the northeast, all the way to the that northeastern corner of the project area. Okay, gotcha. The black boundary. Good. Okay, so we, we've, just, we've just gone straight in on the technical. Um, um, yep. I will come come back to this, but I'm just going to kind of, um, I mean, it's, it's really good to see that you're between Reno and Las Vegas and it's in Nevada and it, kind of the infrastructure is there. 
Um, could you drop the slide, please? And I just want to just kind of orientate my brain as well around uh, lithium. I mean, um, how long have you been involved with this project? I got involved in 2017. Cyprus, as a company, picked up the lithium claims that are the core of the project in 2016. First drill holes went in in February 2017. We advanced it from that point doing a basic processing testing in 2017, 2018, did a preliminary economic assessment and resource estimate in 2018, yeah. pre-feasibility study in 2021. And Middle of the pandemic. Feasibility. Yep. And it's a challenging time going through the pandemic, believe me. So. And I, I, I know uh, embarrassingly little about uh, lithium extraction. Uh, I'm quite used to it. For, well, I know a little bit of, from the from the hard rock and the spodumene and the pegmatites, but when it comes to the um, direct leach extraction, either from the brines or from the clays, uh, my my I, I need to repeat. Uh, I need to learn through repetition. So, if you could just talk me through the the industry from the lithium clay perspective, you know how I mean I, I'm right in thinking this is quite a new industry, isn't it? It is. There's no producing mines yet in the clay lithium clay space, but there's a number of good projects that have large resources. If you took all the clay resources in the state of Nevada, added them up, you would get a very large number, which would probably put Nevada behind uh, Bolivia and Argentina in terms of contained resources. Okay. The whole problem, though, is getting that lithium out of the clay. So that's the challenge. And when you have a variety of clays in a, in a sediment, um, how can you identify them uh, easily, can you do it with kind of spectral um, radiometrics? Uh, you know, how do you know whether you've got a hectorite or an illite or a montmorillite or you know these di different types of clay? You pretty well have to get into spectral analysis for that, and it's not something you can do with our clay in the field. It is consistent in its mineralogy. We think we're about seventy percent illite, thirty percent montmorillonite fractions, and that's pretty uniform across the property. Yeah, you pretty well have to go to a lab to, to do that determination. And uh, for non-geologists who might be watching this, can you just, just I mean, uh, from what I can remember about uh, a clay, is it is it it's, these are ultrafine particles that were uh, typically either formed from alteration or uh, carried far out in in, in a current. Um, to a very low energy environment where the clay mineral can be held in suspension in water and then it can drop down or it forms through alteration of pre-existing minerals. Right. And in our case, it's an alteration product. We believe that is an asphalt tuff that fell into a lake and this portion of the lake where our deposits located was preserved by the way the faulting, basin range faulting work in this area. So, uh, yeah, it is an alteration product that arrived from volcanic ash. And we think the volcanic ash was a source of lithium. So, so the alteration, so the, 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 the ash falls and it gets altered through the contact with the water or the... There could have been some hot springs or burial event that went with that. But uh, my, our focus has just been on the mining and processing of it. When, when you're in that early stage of exploration so when in 2016 2017 when you're first working on these clays what um what are the indications that you can turn this into a um an economic resource 
I mean, do you have to? How how do, how do you how do you get how do you build up the confidence on a on a lithium clay project that this is going to be the breakthrough into production because it's such a young wow. industry. That's a good question, and it's not going to be a, a quick answer to that. It was about a, still a work in progress in terms of getting to that final processing point and make sure we have all the the parts working correctly. But when we started in 2017, there were indications this lithium in the clay was readily leachable, that you could just put water on it and some of the lithium would come out. Well, that turned out not to be true. We then went back into the lab, started doing different testing, and we found that sulfuric acid worked. Uh, with the sulfuric acid, you needed to elevate the temperature and get it hot and up to a temperature where the lithium was extracted. That worked for us, also works for a deposit to the west of us, Rylight Ridge, and also works at a place uh, to the north, which is on the Oregon-Nevada border, which is Thacker Pass, Lithium America's project. So all that was good, and we progressed through our pre-feasibility study on the assumption that we would be using sulfuric acid, buying sulfur, have a sulfur burner, which would then run an acid plant plus a cogeneration power plant. Well, we started looking at the supply logistics surrounding raw sulfur, and we came to the conclusion that there might be a better way to do this, particularly since we're in this chloride basin that's rich in sodium chloride brine. That's the yeah. primary water source next to us. We saw the evaporation pools of Silver Peak in that opening slide. So uh, we went back, did a lot more lab work, and realized that hydrochloric acid which we can generate from chloride brine through electrolysis was a good reagent for us. And that got us shifted away from the sulfuric acid approach to uh, using sodium chloride and then breaking that down to make hydrochloric acid and sodium hydroxide. So just by an electrolysis pro uh, approach, we can break down uh, sodium chloride brine, make both our acid, our leaching reagent and our neutralizing reagent at the same time. So it's an efficient process, energy uh, consumptive, but in the scheme of things, it gives us a lot of stability in terms of our pricing and operating cost. And I, I noticed in your um, in your presentation, you call this the greener option. I, I, I'm curious about the word greener, but um, I, I just wonder what you meant by that. Well, I think that applies to not using sulfur as a source and getting away from the need to truck sulfur to the site. So we're not tied directly to the oil and gas industry, which would be our source of sulfur. And uh, this is a, an approach which we are able to put, put say, renewable power to, into play, say solar and uh, possibly geothermal. And it could give us a lot of uh, better profile in terms of the environmental aspects. Agreed, agreed. Um... Now, whether that all comes together when our feasibility study is done, we have to see what those final economics look like. But given the trend in sulfur pricing over the last two years, um, we're kind of happy with the space we're in and just relying on electric power to do this. And what's your what's your grid opportunity? I mean, can you get power from the grid, or you are you is it a long way from grid? No, we're right next to the grid. Um, currently, the there would be a need for an additional power line to connect to the high voltage area. That's probably about a 30, 35 mile length that we'll have to run that line. But in the particular area we're at, 
there is plans on the books in the next two, three years for high voltage power to come near us. Yeah, good. The more research I do into uh, the green credentials of renewable power, the less I am convinced. But that's a, that's a topic for another day, I think. Yes. And in our case, we're just looking at first now solar as our main power source because yeah. it is a good place for it, good location. And yeah. it would be give us a lot of flexibility with respect to the project. Yeah. What about other uh, projects that are advancing their uh, lithium clays? Are they, are, are they all going down the um, the uh, sulfuric acid route, or are there other companies which are pro- progressing down the chloride route? The only two others that are really advanced that would be Rylite Ridge and Thacker Pass are pursuing sulfuric acid. We are the only one that I know of that's going down the hydrochloric acid route at the present time. And you've just signed a deal with, or just signed an arrangement with um, Tyson Crook, is that correct? That's correct. That's on the chloralkaline plant, which is the heart of the process as far as acid generation. So they will be doing the feasibility level study on that particular portion of the plant. Can you, um, you you, you showed me earlier, um, just before we started the presentation, you had a nice slide on the process uh, flow sheet. Could you pull that slide up, please? Because I think it'd be useful for me and hopefully the viewers as well to understand the the process flow sheet as it exists today and what your thinking is around that. Okay, let's see if I can get that. So for our project, we have uh, our lithium clay. This is a bulk sample, which we excavated earlier this year. That would be our mine feed. It's at the picture on the right. That is a picture on the right. How many how many tons so, did you take take out in your in your bulk um, sample? That was uh, right about five hundred tons on the excavation, and we run about a ton a day through the pilot plant at present. And w- was that um, how did you select that bulk sample? Was it from a series of different pits, or was it from one contiguous area? It you know, what was, was the from process? a about a. 50-foot deep cut that was in the center of our planned starter pit for the feasibility. Yeah, okay. So we had uh, some drilling around it, which indicated the grade. We've been crushing, screening, and bagging it since uh, we excavated back in June. And that material in the sampling fits right perfectly with our planned ore grade, which is about 0.112 to 0.12% lithium. That's kind of, uh, thank you, you've answered my next question, which is what is the, the grade of the sample relative to the grade of the, of the, of right. the resource? You know, for the process yeah. in the mine, we are looking to get somewhere around 80% extraction recovery. And in doing that, we would produce about a kilo of lithium, roughly, for, per ton of ore. And then that would equate to about five kilos then of lithium carbonate product. So okay. you can figure economics going from that point. Yeah, uh, so um, one kilogram lithium is about, so, so what's that, five kilograms of... Um, lithium uh, carbonate. Um, lithium, um, okay, great. Thank you. Right. Um, so, okay, so you've got your 500-ton bulk sample. You can feed it through it one ton per day. So you've got, in theory, plenty of days, or well, not in theory, you've got plenty of days of test work that you can do. So the mine feed goes through to an attritor. What's that? Is that a... Um, that is a, a, pretty much just a, a mill, a small high-speed mill, which breaks the clay particles down when you add processed water to it. 
So this is all, mind you, in the pilot plan. I think I could yeah. show you a picture of the pilot plan upcoming. But from the attritter, we take that slurry, which is about 30% solids, and we feed it into our leach tank. We add hydrochloric acid at about 6% uh, concentration. We heat that yeah. tank up to about 50 degrees C, and then we discharge that slurry into a bank of thickeners. And uh, we use, in this case, five thickeners, which are just mixer settlers. We pull the slurry off of the bottom of the first tank and run that slurry into the second tank and so forth with the decant coming from uh, the left to right and the solids going from right to left in that figure. And in doing that, we wind up washing out the lithium from the tails. So what we're trying to produce is a nice, clean, filtered tail at the end of the day. And that's what you see in the photo in the top left-hand corner. So, um, but the, the, the leaching, um, the leaching process takes place in outside of the thickeners, or is it still being leached as you go through the thickeners? It's mostly completed by the time we hit that CCD1 tank. And from that CCD1 over to the left on CCD5, we're doing a washing process where we're taking clean process water from the left and moving that process water over to CCD1 on the right. Uh, the figure's not exactly correct. We pull the pregnant leach solution off from CCD1 and then we run it through a filter and then it's off to the DLE process, the lithium recovery area. And I um, saw that uh, one person was asking on a chat board recently, are we doing this in a batch process, emptying the tanks and then filling them? No, this is a continuous flow process as we would have in a conventional mill where we're just removing the slurry from one point A to point B, pulling the solution from the CCD5 over to CCD1. At that point, it's loaded up with lithium and we move that through a filter. The pregnant leach solution then goes into lithium recovery. That's the ion exchange area. We concentrate the lithium there, reject the cations, and then move that over to the evaporator at the right. And okay, the final so it um, comes out as lithium carbonate after we've processed it and uh, and further evaporation and crystallization. Forgive my um, uh, lack of uh, knowledge of mineral processing, but the um, the the clay is presumably very fine grained. Yes, it is. Um, it's less than five microns. Less than five microns. Okay, and so when you uh, slurry it up in that attrita and then put it into the put it into the acid solution. What you're effectively doing is leaching the um, the lithium uh, out of the these five micron particles, uh, yep. particles which are in suspension because it's presumably agitated. And the, the lithium goes into solution and the, uh, the clay is stripped of the lithium but just remains as a clay particle. Correct. Yeah. And you've also broken down the clay a bit too. You converted probably some of that illite over to, uh, we think, montmorillonite at that point. Okay. So, so there's, there's, oh. so, so the acid actually kind of um, uh, attacks the clay as well as leaching the, uh, leaching the lithium. And then, really, what you're, those thickeners are effectively just a separation process. So you've already done the, you've already done the, the, the chemical 
step is done in the leach bubble and then the thickeners are, are a, uh, a almost like a physical separation you're trying to get the 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 pregnant leach solution separated from the clay particles correct yeah and that separation process given that you're dealing with the clay can be very tricky that's what we found with uh the sulfuric acid approach was we wound up more with like a silica gel than we did a particles in suspension. When we went to hydrochloric acid, we were able to get those particles to sell, settle in a reasonably short period of time. It was almost okay. a night and day revelation. And we okay, can do this now. We add a bit of flocculant to that yeah. slurry. And as it's yeah. going through those thickeners, we are building these flocculent strings, which then cake up and they settle very nicely. And that's how we wind up with that final tailings product. Okay, and uh, uh, I, I was kind of laboring the point just because you know clay is normally in a plant. It's they gum everything up. That one of the last things you want, one of the problems in a mineral processing plant is when you have clays. And so when you when your entire plant is processing clay, um, I just wonder what your learning process has been as you've been uh, working on this over the years. Yes, well, that switch over from using sulfuric acid to hydrochloric acid, that was almost a one day revelation. We were up at Continental Metallurgical Services. They had a garage shop lab up in Butte, Montana. It was, I think it was a November, December night. And we were up there at midnight um, working a bulk leach test on this, the first one with hydrochloric acid. And we left the lab something one in the morning and came back at six in the morning, looked in the tank and it was, Oh, the sun settled. How did it do that? <laughs> we were expecting to spend a day or two filtering and trying to get the slurry away from the tails using sulfuric acid. And this was just a night and day revelation. So, and so that was that a nice breakthrough. And that, that pretty well fixed us on this path with hydrochloric acid. Okay. So um, do you think uh, the... <laughs> your peers or your competitors are going to follow you down this hydrochloric um, acid route? I mean, if, if it's that much for transformation, you know, are, it, does this mean that this is going to be the way that lithium clays are developed in the future? Not necessarily. I think we are in a unique location given that we are in this chloride basin. We have the salt source right next to us in the water and we don't have to import salt to make the process work. Uh, there's possible that some other operation would try to do that and bring salt in to drive the process. That's certainly doable. But I think Cyprus, we're in a kind of a unique place, unique situation. And uh, that's kind of the way we formulated the process. But I mean, if you're trucking in um, sulfur or salt, uh, you know, each, each are going to have their own costs. However, if the result is that the one is creates a kind of a silica gel which gums up your plant, and the other is a is a a, a tailings product that set, that can be filtered and separates nicely, I mean, surely you would go for the one that works better in the process plant. I mean, you said yourself, you know, it was a one day transformation; it was night and day. Yeah, well, that's in our particular case. I can't speak for other people's projects or deposits. If they're similar to ours with uh, similar mineralogy, that might be well true. So. Interesting. Okay. So a hydrochloric route, that's fine. I get that. Um, when I look at your 
plans for the year or kind of your your forward-looking elements of your presentation. You're talking about uh, completing the feasibility study and uh, doing some more geology and uh, updating the resource. What's what's the order of that? I mean, you know, uh, when you talk about completing the feasibility study, is that completing the the metallurgical test work or, uh, you know, how how does that work? Because normally I would do the complete the the new resource, get that figure out, get the, the, the geology sorted out, and then tack on the feasibility study. But I wasn't sure how it, what the order oh, was we, from the presentation. Yeah, yeah. We've already opinion. updated the, the resource model and the mine plans are pretty well finished at this point. We've got a production schedule that's carved out. Okay. So the next step on the feasibility is taking all the process data we've gathered from the pilot plant over the last year and assembling that sending it out for uh, quotations on the equipment, doing the sizing on the pipes and pumps and tanks. And that work is very well advanced. I would say we're uh, probably two months out from having all of that assembled, costed up, and then ready to throw into the cash flow model. The remaining piece is the Thyssen-Krupp acid plant. We need to know up to feasibility feasibility level, what that capital and operating cost is going to look like. And okay. hopefully and everything uh, comes in the way we think, and it's not going to give us any surprises. Uh, what what, did, what do they um, tell you in terms of timing? Oh, they're uh, a four-month study. It's okay. about 16 weeks on their chart. Okay. And that's the whole reason we uh, let everybody know that that's our plan and you know, pushing out the feasibility date on that basis. So you think you're going to be the first um, lithium carbonate uh Clay producer. Oh, I think we're on our way to doing that. If you're on the sulfuric acid side, the nice thing about that, it gives you an easier route to get to lithium hydroxide, which is a desirable product for most battery plants. Uh, but in our case, we had good success in making lithium carbonate, uh, really a good pure product. So with that, we decided not to try to beat the horse and invent something new and going from chloride solution over into hydroxide, we just said, let's keep it simple and just go right for the, the carbonate and get the feasibility going. What does it, what does that, how does that affect your kind of bottom line in terms of all your marketing potential? You know, does it restrict the people, the number of people that you can sell it to, or uh, are you quite comfortable with the, with the end, the terminal market or the end market for uh, lithium carbonate? I think in the current regime, we're uh, comfortable that it's going to be a sellable product and people will be able to take it. And if they need to convert it over to hydroxide, they can do that. It's harder to ship hydroxide. It's less stable. And uh, I think this is a sound approach for us to follow right now. If we have to go back and uh, think whether we need to add the equipment to convert, do a conversion over to hydroxide, we can do that. But our priority right now is getting through the feasibility making that last step in integrating the acid plant into the plan and seeing how all that plays together. Are you including a marketing study in, inside the feasibility study? Yeah, yeah, definitely do. Um, and so what are you looking at? Are you looking um, internationally, but also uh, internally within the States? Because I, I, I noticed your presentation at the front end is very much, uh, you know, about the commodity, about the critical minerals aspect of it. I mean, are you uh, very much focused on the, the uh, Made in America story? Yes, definitely. Given the a lot of the legislation <clears throat> that's come through recently, 
the last yeah. two years, particularly with Inflation Reduction Act and uh, the Strategic Metals Loans Program, uh, all that is playing into our, our thought process and wanting a domestic source. So, and there's, I don't know, roughly about 13 um, battery factories that are planned in the U.S. So, you know, we want to be able to fit into that picture and keep it, keep it on shore. Good. Um, thank you. I understand the company much better now, and uh, p- particularly that uh, that processing differential uh, between the uh, sulfuric acid and the hydrochloric acid. Just, just kind of by way of um, kind of drawing to a close, could you give me um, just remind me of the kind of the news flow that you've got over the next few months, possibly into the middle of next year? Oh well, the, definitely the. Most of the news is going to be driven around the feasibility study, getting that completed. Uh, There's potential there for uh, some partnerships that might evolve, either related to vendors or uh, companies that might be interested in the project itself. And then we'll be working our way towards financing and permitting. We're close to completing a plan of operations, which would kick off our permitting process with the federal government. Uh, we have a team in place on the environmental and permitting side. So. Uh, w- when when do you hope to deliver the feasibility study? I think we're um, end of first course, maybe first part of second quarter next year. Okay. And um, have you started doing the kind of the, the long lead items on the uh, on the permitting, such as I don't know, baseline studies, water monitoring, um, speaking to the kind of federal agencies about just making sure that you've got all those. Uh, all that key permitting uh, pipeline in 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 movement in motion. We've done quite a few baseline studies over the course of the last two years. Uh, we do have those studies that indicate that permitting should be fairly straightforward. We think um, we do know what the permitting steps are, the plan of operations, putting that together and putting that in front of the federal government's the first step in that process. And that should happen shortly. So uh, on the water side, we're fortunate that we are permitted. We have a water permit in place. And uh, that's um, an advantage for us, given the water situation in Clayton Valley. And, uh, uh, which is what? That, that is arid? It's arid, plus it's a, a closed basin. So everything in the basin in terms of water rights are fully appropriated. Uh, we're one of, say, three significant water rights most of those are held by Albemarle for their brine operation. And you've done the test work to show that you've, you've got enough drawdown capacity to uh, meet we your believe our water requirements. Right, yeah, we believe with the water balance out of the project right now, our water right that we have, which we purchased last year, will be sufficient to give us that target production rate we have for the feasibility. How much did it cost you, just by out of interest, out of curiosity? Well, that was a $3 million purchase. It was $1 million in cash and $2 million in stock. Excuse me, $2 million in cash, $1 million in stock. Uh, from who? Uh, there was a smaller company, junior company, that acquired that water right. Wow. Uh, you can trade anything, I guess. Um, my, my grandmother's yes, up to say. It's particularly uh, when they're, it's very scarce and hard to come up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you mentioned um, uh, the dis- differences between going looking at brine and looking at spodumene hard rock. So I just want to touch on the clay space. As far as what we're trying to do is um, kind of like a you would with a, a 
process where you're taking that that source, the clay, the ore, all the way to a final product, we want to carry that chain to go from all the way from clay to that lithium carbonate product on the site. And if you're in the hard rock space, you are probably making a spodumene concentrate and then finding a equivalent of a smelter, a conversion plant. Most likely right now in Asia, there are some conversion plants planned for the U.S. And then shipping that concentrate and then having them do the roasting, do the leaching, to then go through the purification steps and make a lithium product. So in that, that sense, we were talking about base metals before. That resembles a smelter model where you're finding yeah. somebody to take your concentrate, process it, and then wind up with a product at the end of the day. For us, uh, we want to just make that a one-day process where we put the ore into the mill and wind up with a lithium product. If you're talking about brines, if you're going the conventional route on brines, which is evaporation, you're looking at anywhere from, say, a year and a half to two and a half years to evaporate that solution down and get it to the concentration that you can then make, uh, do the evaporation step, the final step, and precipitate your uh, product. So where we want to come in is somewhere in the cost structure between that, that brine and then that hard rock. Brines are the cheapest source um, cost-wise for lithium. Uh, hard rock is at the other end of the scale. And we hope that by doing our process, which is more like a hydromet, say uh, SXCW for copper or bleaching yeah, yeah. for gold, you fall in between and you're making a product. So you're, you're controlling your own destiny that way. Yeah, I get it. Is there anybody else globally who's doing uh, the chloride route, the hydrochloric acid route? Well, for different metals, yes. Uh, that's no. the way you go after rare earths and uh, yeah, uranium yeah. and other things. And, you know, you use hydrochloric acid in fracking. So you know, it's not like it's an uncommon approach. So, uh, But no, so far, no one you know uh, is doing it on the lithium clays. No. We, are the, we will be the first at that. Bill, thank you so much. It's been uh, yeah. a, a, a hugely instructive uh, 40 minutes or so. Well, great, Merlin. It's a pleasure talking with you and hope we do it again.